Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome to the Party Chat People's Podcast. Or should I say the Savi and Mikey show? Or you could say the People's Chat Party because your head went backwards, you goon. You didn't start from the party. You started from the people's and you did the pan. <laughs> maybe maybe I did that on purpose to mess with everyone. The People's Chat Party? Uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. look at that. A new political party. The People's Chat Party. Oh, audio just did something very strange. <laughs> the people's chat party. <laughs> you sound like a robot. <laughs> I do. Yeah, don't know why. That's great. All right, let's let's keep with it. I didn't change it. Um, okay. Cool. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to the party chat people's podcast. You're back to normal. Hooray! Please continue. As always, I'm joined by Zavi, and that's it. And we're here to talk <laughs> about video game things. And two video game things in particular, um, Ghost of Tsushima and Paper Mario the Origami King. So that's pretty much what we'll be focusing on today, just the two of us. And I think we're just ready to sort of get into it, right? And we're wearing our plain white tees, taking it casual, although you, of course, had to come out fly with the hat. Oh, yeah. I mean, old ladies have been stopping me on the street going... Oh my god! Oh my god! You know, you were just reminding me of one time I was in a a bathroom to uh to a movie theater, and I don't know what movie this gentleman had just seen, but he was standing there looking at himself in the mirror, and he was just saying over and over again something to the effect of like, "People just don't don't wear fly ass hats anymore," like you know, a hat used to mean something, and I'm just like, like I wish I had the courage to go up to him and just be like, "You are correct." Oh man, you should. Have. You, <laughs> you know how it is. Random yeah. bathroom interactions. Yeah, he probably yeah. would have appreciated it, but you know, I was just on my way. Standing <laughs> in my junk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, yeah, but um, it was so interesting, and I was out with a friend later on. And I was like, I love it when people look offended when they're complimenting you. It's such a special shot. Like when they go like this, when they go, "Oh my god, I look so good on you," and you're like. I don't understand if you're actually happy or you're not, or it looks so good that your face is so scrunched up, but okay. <laughs> this stopped in the street and she's like, I just have to say, so... that is amazing. And I was like, thank you. So, so given that, I feel like the appropriate thing to jump into is uh, how fashionable is your ghost? Oh, my ghost. I, I think I enjoy the Ronin outfit most of all with the straw hat. I the think straw I'm, hat looks dope. Or sometimes I'll just do one of the headbands, and the color schemes for the headbands are quite nice um, when yep. you find them. The but thing I, I like about the headbands in particular is like the ones that you get by writing a haiku. Like oh, there's a connection God. to it. It's yes. ah, that's great. Yes. But yes. we are talking about, assuming that you're cool with starting with that. Of course. Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, it's been out for a little while now, but I think. Um, we might we might have had a similar dynamic in terms of like blowing through that intro and those first batch of hours and being excited, but then like you get that open world creep coming in and you're like, you know what? I don't want to just blow through this game. Uh, at least that's that's what I've been uh, what I had happen right. And then I just started mainlining the the, the story because I was like, you know what? Um, I, I was having a little bit of like the you know, the, the shiny penny problem 
of like, let me go hit this waypoint. Let me go hit this POI. Let me go uh, upgrade this thing. Let me go do this and that. And then I was just like, you know what? I'm interested in seeing where the story goes, period. So let yeah. me go take the epic journey down south I to do those to quests. Lead and that. so I've concluded act one and I'm excited about the game again. That's where I'm at. Yeah. How about you? I definitely might have to follow your lead on that because I've definitely been getting on the like, you know, open world creep and ooh, you know, question mark here and the little, um, the symbol for side quest here. And what I'm finding is that I think I want to start skipping side quests and if I run into fox dens and stuff because I have gotten the upgrade. So running the, into them naturally through the bird, your mother the bird, you know, following you, um, uh, leading you to where they are. But I'm really, I think I'm really just enjoying the tales. So like the, and um, so you the have the tales. Oh yeah. Masako and Ishikawa. Well, oh, okay. Yeah. Right, right, your, right. Your, your companion. So yeah, the tales are great. Oh, Ishikawa. Um, and, and one thing that occurred to me actually is like, this game has a very good taxonomy of like the different quests. So you have like the tales that you're talking about where they're like kind of character focused or telling a story you get them in these nice neat digestible episodes basically mm. uh and then you have like I, I don't remember what they call them but they're essentially just like side things yeah, side things well yeah there's there's a mythic quest too though then they have a certain structure to them yes. they're more like mythological they're more exploratory and there's always um, really painterly sort of japanese animated sort of intro to them which like looks fantastic uh-huh mythic uh like oh you know ishikawa i forgot his name but like oh like todoyori like todoyori was like you know this famous guy and his armor was special and and then you earn the armor or the bow of the other guy i forgot his name um is it is she it's uchi something it's uchi something yeah, uchi, yeah but here's here's something that's wild I don't have the longbow yet. I've been watching Stacy play oh. and she has explosive arrows on the longbow. And I'm just like, I don't have that shit yet. I need to fix that. <laughs> but yeah, cause it's like, and that's the thing. Part of what I think I mean when I say that there's a good taxonomy is that the rewards for for certain classifications of quests are, mm. are, are good and worth it. And that's pretty consistent. The mythic, tales or quests or whatever the, the mythic tales i think they call them like those are like pieces of equipment that that mm. will change your tactical options and yeah. then the tales are largely just about like the story and the characters and learning like that whole thing and you might be interested in sensei ishikawa and i might be more interested in lady misako and like you can pursue yeah. it to your heart's content like yeah. that part of it is good the thing that i think is still a bit stuck in like the 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 pinnings of an open world game is they feel like they have to fill the map and that leads to a certain amount of like uh of of that frustration that i felt which i resolved by just mainlining stuff and just going fuck it which the game i think is actually pretty good at like it's designed to make it pretty trivial for you to forget all that shit versus like the disaster of Skyrim of just like having the quest log of a billion things well, that thing. feels overwhelming. And... Quest log. You kind of have to do one thing at a time. So yes. I, I realized that the other day, I was like, wait a second. Like if I'm trying to do something else, it's like, no, you have to do one thing at a time. Like even when it comes to side things, I was like, okay, that's actually kind of not common. Usually, you usually have a, oh, your side quest, and then you have, like, the yellow marker mixed with the white marker, and on my way to do this, I'm going to do this, and it's just kind of like, no, 
kind of have to be intentional about what you want to do at the moment. Which I think is like healthier. <laughs> yeah, because I, and I think when you're doing the, the like the white side quests, they're never that long where you're just like, oh, oh my God, where I can think of like a GTA mission and go like, imagine if in GTA, they'd be like, you can only do one thing at <laughs> one thing at a time. And then you have to go back and do all these side quests again. It's like nothing ever, aside from the tales, which are a little bit longer, nothing ever keeps you. And of course the main Jin's journey, nothing ever keeps you occupied that long that you're just like. Yeah, and it feels like, and it feels like part of what I really enjoy about this version of an open world, particularly once I made that switch to mainline it because I was like, I know where my interest lies and I'm just gonna yeah. own, I'm gonna own my experience, um, is that it's it's very, um, like I said, again, like I, I, that, that word really flared up for me a lot, which is like this taxonomy is really smart. It's really good because it's, it's dependable, right? You know what you're signing up for. And if I jump into that game tomorrow after a hard day's work and I just want to chill, I could actually just roam the countryside and fight randos. And, mm-hmm. and, and like, that's available to me. The rewards are paltry, but I don't care about the rewards because I'm tired and I want to you know just chill yeah. be a fucking samurai yeah. and take cool yeah. pictures right yeah. but then you know if i have a solid three hours and i'm hyped let me go do some story stuff mm-hmm. um funny you kind of are segueing a bit without segueing um one big disappointment that was sort of revealed to me is i am not really enthralled with the combat as i was at initially and i'm finding that it's really not as deep as I thought it was going to be, you know, mm. the stance change is really just a glorified I've, polarity change. I've gotta, I've gotta push you to get to Act Two because I'm on Act Two. I'm in Act Two. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I'm cool. in Act Two. Uh, I, I, I don't feel as if I'm using different tactics. I'm just switching to the stance to do an armor break to armor break them and then switching back. It's, it's, it's the glorified polarity change. There's nothing, there's nothing unique. And, and although you can use different stances with other people, you're just gonna have a harder time doing it. Like I said, that's just fair. Before, it, Are you playing on normal? I believe I'm playing on hard. Okay. Uh, uh, I mean, honestly- Yeah, I'm playing on hard. Like you, you are like very comfortable with like Dark Souls and Sekiro. You might wanna try lethal. like. I don't know if you have. Um, I heard it came out. Can you change in mid-game? You can change back and forth as much as you want. Okay. Uh, no big deal. Oh, yeah. The thing that between you and Stacey. <laughs> like, how come this game is hard today? How come it's yeah. hard today? Yeah, exactly. Today? That was um, so The funny. thing is that I don't want to give myself a frustrating time with this because I... Of course, of course. It's just it's something you can freely try. Uh, but but um, my experience on hard and something that I like about the game is that it is, it is forcing me to use every tool. So mm-hmm. um, I agree with you that the, that the stance change is not like some ridiculously deep thing because you choose who you want to focus on. You switch to that stance and then you, you beat their ass. Yeah. But, but when it comes to dealing with five people at once, you better use those kunai and those other tactics, right? When it comes to yeah. fighting eight people, the difference that an ally makes is huge yeah. and no, also like you, forces you to sometimes just tactically yeah. retreat. And I'm okay with like ha- having that whole breadth of options where I run into problems is that not, not so much that like the stances aren't particularly deep, which I agree with, but yeah. the game does force you 
to blend your playstyle according to the situation between yeah. fighting and stealth. And the stealth is overpowered because it isn't deep, which is a problem with a lot of games and how they use stealth. Yeah, yeah. I, I okay. I'm. It's good. I let you finish because I just said I wanted to say that. Although I, I see where you're coming from, the the stance introducing and the weight that they have on this part of the combat is a little bit too much for me to sort of just hand wave it away and just say like, well, yeah, there's other options. It's like, no, this is a main part of your combat. There are freaking cutscenes when you unlock something. There's, there's a whole rigmarole when you earn something. You know, there's a whole design gameplay system where you have to observe and kill leaders to earn new stances yeah, yeah. and upgrade it. So I just feel like, you know, it, there wasn't a lot of thought put into it. All of, and then all of the successive sort of skills are just like the same thing, but their version like, oh, do this for like a stronger version. Oh, do this. Yeah, for like, I hear you. But, but I do like, think I, I do think that that's that's the perspective coming from someone who's like, you know, high tier action gameplay. Like I'm with you there. I get it. I like to make the joke that like Devil May Cry, the first one, like ruined yeah. other action games for me because they became trivial by comparison. And yeah. and I actually think that this game is um is actually this really interesting like it's skillful on the harder difficulties, but it's also pretty freaking accessible. Hello. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and basically like the, I've seen, I like, I went to my cousin's place, I showed him the game and I was playing on hard and I was, and he was just like, oh, this seems cool. Let me show you. And I just gave him the controller. And when he came up against a shield guy, I tried to tell him to do a stance switch and like, he did it because I told him to, but afterwards, like, he didn't do it again. You know what I mean? He didn't, like, yeah. that, didn't, that didn't click for him. Yeah. And if he had gone through a tutorial, maybe it would have. But, yeah. like, it's not the trivial, like, uh, it's trivial for us, basically, right? Like, I played Devil May Cry 3 where you're switching between style. No, sorry, 4. Uh, 3, you have to pick one. But uh, in 4, you're, like, switching between styles of Dante, and it's absurd, and it's completely unnecessary. Yeah. But, like, I'm used to that kind of thing, and I think you are too. I, yeah. I, I do think that, like, this game scales pretty well, even yeah. though it doesn't have granular difficulty the way that, like, Last of Us, which, yeah. you know, was the last big release does. Uh, it still scales pretty well. Yeah, I guess I want to clarify is that I don't, I don't think that um, we are particularly special just because we're more, you know, seasoned gamers. I just think that it wasn't thought out well in the sense of just like, you know, the polarity shift of like is, and is that you wanted it to mean more. You didn't yeah, want it to be so simple. Like when I when I am the what is it the moon stance where I'm good against shields. Brutes. You know, why don't, why aren't I changing my stance to sort of like have maybe something more defense oriented? Like I said, it's just, this is the thing to stagger more. And yeah, it really only affects your heavy attack. Yeah, you don't, you, there's no change in the gameplay. There mm -hmm. isn't like, okay, when I'm a spear, I have to be more mobile. You know, the spear says I have to be more I mobile. I see what you it's mean. It's literally yeah. just this is the thing that's strong against this thing. Right, you want the stances. And you know what's interesting is that the stance, like there are, there are ways in which stances almost have more importance to enemies, like when you're dueling them, because yeah. when you see someone like sheet their sword, like, like you are having this, this thing where you're like, okay, I have to think about how to counter that. But in terms of like what your options are, you don't have so much to yeah, actually play you with. You don't. 
you like have... if think about like playing Mitsurugi in like Soul Calibur, right? He's mm-hmm. all about these different stances, but this game doesn't approach that. No, and then also different play styles associated with those stances. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Like your play style doesn't change. The only thing that changes your um, play styles are the ninja tools. I think that's almost true. Like uh, Stacy dodges like crazy, and like I don't. That's not representative of different stances. That's right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's true. That's what I was going to get to. Is like um, there are different play styles for the combat generally, but the stances don't inform them. I'm remembering. Oh my god, the game that we were playing together, and. I watched you and I was like, oh my God, this boss battle took me an hour and you beat it Which in one? 10 minutes. We were playing a game. I forgot what game we were playing. It was a big game that all came out and you were, we were playing it on the couch and we, I had, was a little bit ahead of you and I watched you beat the same boss battle that I was beating. Oh, Control. Bell. Oh, okay. Yes, and I, I was like, what? <laughs> I was fighting this shit for an hour. And it was just like, wow, our play styles are just very so different. different. Like, like probably um, holistically, like, you know, if dodge and shield are, are available, like you would, you probably align yourself more with like a shielding and me and dodging. So it's probably uh, the other way around, but it was just like, uh, oh my God, I don't play this game that way. But watching you play just throughout the level and then getting to a boss battle, I was like, no wonder this was more difficult for you and this was more difficult for me you can kind of tell yeah control yeah. is a game where like your, your your shielding options are really about buying you like an additional second not yeah. like not like tanking anything you know yeah. you can't yeah. tank shit in that game small small side segue on um not segue uh side note um Tangent. i forgot uh the Control DLC is coming out. I completely forgot oh, because of coronavirus. They had that little trailer, I think, on the PlayStation thing. I was like, holy shit. I was like, yeah, the Alan Wake thing is coming out. So that's going to be a fun little thing to nice. do. Um, yes. Look forward to hearing that. That sounds cool. But um, but yeah, so back to um, Ghost. Um, yeah, I am enjoying where the story is going so far. I did like at the end of Act 1, your uncle is starting to, he's just like, I know you came to save me, but how exactly did you do that? Yeah, um, that's definitely going to come to a head, and I look forward to that. Yeah, um, yeah. I like that, you know, like, a lesser a lesser narrative would have, like, drawn out the rescue of your uncle for, like, 10 yeah. more hours. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually quite surprised and glad that that was wrapped up as quickly as it was because I, you, you know, you look at act one, it's like save Lord Shimura and you're just thinking, Oh my God, this is going to be anime one-on-one where you go there and it's like, Oh uh, no, that's not him. Or Kublai Khan has him in a bag and he jumps on his ship. And, oh, you know, this is, they, this is the Jack Barrow 24 problem. It's yeah, well known. It like is. this is, it's, it's this style of writing that 24, like if it didn't create it, cause that's usually not the case. <laughs> like it pioneered, yeah, it pioneered yeah. where it's just like the, 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 you know, you, that's, you just keep the carrot like just keeps moving yeah. and and, and it, you know it works for basic drama in terms of just yeah. being like okay we got to keep the story yeah going, so but, but like you, further. i was definitely relieved where there was like oh you like saved yeah. him and you're you're back with him and this is going to play against the dynamic of you meeting yuna and mm-hmm. him sort of reflecting and having respect to say like oh my god i'm this privileged samurai like i, I don't have the she doesn't have the privilege to follow some code yeah. like 
you know, it's very clear. And it's just like, all right, well, I had to learn real quick, like, okay, I can either sit here and let my culture be destroyed, or I can do what I need to do to save it and think about all that other shit later. And I think that that's where Jin and his uncle will come to a head. Uh, I, I don't know exactly how it'll play out. I hope that it's it remains unpredictable. I hope that it like yeah. keeps us on our toes because it's a great dynamic to to be flirting with in Act Two, and I look forward to to yeah. playing it more and figuring it out. I will say, um, not to not to cut you off, that I do want to like discuss the economy a little bit of this game. Uh, a little bit further to me it's it's actually another example of what i mean by like paint by numbers open world and the good thing is that i think the people at sucker punch were wise enough to recognize that it's not the focus of their game Mm -hmm. and it doesn't feel like the focus of their game but it's still there and it's still mostly distracting because the progression that you get is is significant, but it's not like any huge game-changing type of thing. And the structure of an open world where you're like, you know, you have the shiny penny of there's some bamboo or there's some this or there's some that. Um, it, you know, I'm just someone who who like has to fight against a kind of completionist tendency or that's not right. Like it's really OCD. I don't really care about getting 100% of games, but I see the shiny penny and I want to go run and pick it up and it disrupts things. You're in the middle of a mission. You're talking to someone, you're following them on a the road. I'm in character. I'm immersed in a world. And then there's a bamboo thing that I want to go run 30 feet out of the way. And it's not serving anything like, you know, I, I, I have to contrast it to Horizon Zero Dawn, where that never felt like it was the case. I don't think like there were shiny pennies, but the reason that it was sort of important in that game uh, was that you could run out of ammo. You could actually run out of ammo in Horizon. You could run out of materials to craft ammo. And so those choices to get that stuff felt meaningful in that moment when you finish a fight and you were almost out of ammo and you're just like, oh my God, now I need to like go get everything again, which actually serves a, 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 a pacing purpose, right? In this game, no. None of that. And, and, and that's okay. It's not a huge demerit on the game because it's not the focus, but it is there. And I kind of want to see someone have the courage to, to do some kind of like open world game and find some alternative, find something that doesn't have this, this shallow economy just kind of there following the paint by like numbers. That game exists, we just can't remember it right now because I, I'm, I'm definitely trying to think of like open world games where the level up system felt intentional smaller mm. yes yeah, smaller in scale and smaller what you had to do but it was realized in a very intentional way and it's just like okay i'm mm, it, it's coming back to me i you know it's funny because you talk about horizon so damn much like that wasn't an intentional economy like you looked for specific things like oh my god i need that pelt i just need that one thing and you would go out and you would get it but i just can't remember it right now but that probably is the most recent example of like I am intentionally going to hunt for this so I can get this one thing to upgrade this armor. I mean, I know you love Monster Hunter and that has that. Monster Hunter is different. There's no It's one not in- open world. Yeah, it's not open world. You know, you go on missions, you get what you need and then you, you go about your business. But I'm trying to think of it uh, of an open world where it was like, you know what? I think I think I am not mistaken. Brutal Legend 
Huh. I think I distinctly remember Brutal Legend being really intentional about going to specific areas, getting like one thing or two things to, to get this one like thing to upgrade your thing. I was thinking of going your... back to that anyway because we've got Jack Black coming to Psychonauts too. And so yeah. yeah. And so I was like, I feel like brutal like I something in my head clicked and just went like, How much you want to bet Brutal Legend is one of those games that was like under underrated and if I went back to it it'll hold up better than most of the games that were considered masterpieces in that era. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. that happens occasionally. Like yeah. I, that was that was that kind of feeling I had. Where I was like, I should go back I don't to know if Brutal Legend's gonna hold up. It's I, not gonna be a masterpiece, I know that, but I distinctly yeah. remember Brutal Legend because it was when I had really nothing going on at the time in life. So I spent tons and times of it but it was because i had nothing going on that i could invest that much like time in it and like mm. almost 100 percent completionism of brutal legend so i've i played that game to the ground if there's ever a re-release i don't think i could jump on that bandwagon because i successfully exhausted yeah that's fair you know, my <laughs> legend but yeah um but yeah um you know i as far as my thoughts on the economy just to wrap up um, I think, like I said before, I don't mind it so much because there are things you need to collect. The only part about the economy is the random supplies. Like, oh, you need 400 supplies. And then you're just running around clicking R2, R2. And it's like, fine, the pieces of bamboo, the predator pelts, you know, the, the flowers that I understand that part. But then when the random supplies, it's just like, it, it could have been anything. It could have been real. It could have been this, it could have been whatever. And it's just like, I think that was an uh, I think that was an attempt to be like historically accurate, but still have their cake and eat it too in terms of like having a traditional traders like video sense, game economy. You're saving your land, and there's people their investment to you know. I, I know I'm going above video game logic, but you know, in the sense of like, oh, you know, Lord Sakai, you're saving our land. Uh, I don't need supplies from you. Just give me what I need, and I'll make it for you because it's in my best interest for you to save our fucking island. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. No, but that's what I mean. Like, that's well, that's not exactly what I meant. But but like that fits with what I'm saying. Like, it fits this problem of doing the paint by numbers thing where it's just like, we need an economy. How else do you do progression in video games? You need to have an economy they, with but, trading but and all that. Like, they, you still had requirements. The only thing that's whole and then there well, we talked about this last time that like, uh, although I don't think we recorded it like, you could have done this by by aping the system or the abstraction from state of decay, which is that you do things for people and then you accrue influence yes, right. yeah, and then yeah. you leverage that influence mm. for their for their services to improve your blade or whatever yeah, and so yeah, on. Right. That would have felt far more thematic, yeah. far more. You still, you still have the, the you knew, I need the predator pelt. I need the physical things to do it. But if I don't trust they're going to save our island with the influence, then yeah. I'm not taking this shit for you. Yeah, the yeah. supply thing is a little lazy. It's just a, it's just to make the economy more liquid, which arguably is a problem sometimes because yeah. like you just harvest so much of one thing and then you can sell at the trapper to get supplies to cover because most of the time what you need is supplies if you like me are OCD as hell. Like you have a billion bamboo. So like it, you know it's it's uh supplies is always the choke point the it's always yeah. the, the bottleneck yeah. but yeah. it could have been something else it could have been it could have literally been swap out the abstraction and instead of picking up supplies off of the dead bodies of mongols you actually just earn influence as people hear about your great deeds mm. yeah yeah true true cool
The only thing that wouldn't have gelled with is like generally the peasants talk about like Lord Sakai, like he's the shit and they all like venerate him. If if you actually needed influence to like get any of this stuff, the dialogue would have to change so that it, it would be more like, hey man, I can't work for free. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I am definitely, I'm, I'm tepid with the game at the moment. I'm kind of, you know, maybe about three or four days a week, I'll give it about two hours. And then I'm just like, all right, I think I'm done. But I I think I'm definitely going to shift to how you're playing the game and just focus on the tails and mainline and kind of forget everything else. As far as skill levels go, I don't need this constant like power creep. Like I think I'm dealing with what I am and like, you know, not, oh my God, like I'm dying. This is so hard. Exactly. I that's part, that's part of how I treat progression in games. Like I've played games where I actively do not try to upgrade my stuff because it's not challenging enough and I want to like feel challenged throughout my playthrough, you mm-hmm. know? So in a sense, like same thing here, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It just it just kind of feels like busy Do work. What you're interested in? Yeah, yeah, it feels like busy work to me right now, and the story is interesting. And I I don't want the busy work of the game to sort of flood my on what that's doing. So I I'm gonna shift. It's so funny. I've been listening uh, to other you know just listening to podcasts and how seeing how. I was listening to like how other people received the game and I'm like, oh, okay, whatever, you know, and ignoring it and playing the game and sort of coming to the same points and just being like great opening, soggy middle. Mm. And then you finish act one and then you're kind of like, ooh, I'm, I'm there again. And then everyone is just like, I think I really just want to focus on the story. I don't want to be, I don't want to fall for the slog again. Like you, you warned me what you're just like, you've yeah. shown me what your design game loop is right now after act one, it's now it's my decision. Yeah. Do I want to do the, 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 the design loop again, or do right. I just focus and main? And you know, what's interesting is I had a similar journey with horizon. The first time that I beat horizon, I was not actually as in love with the game as I was like a year later, because when the expansion came out, I went back into it and it was like a much more focused area focus experience focus story you stay in this one area for all this time and i was just like this is so fucking good and then i went back and i replayed the whole goddamn game again like already having the appreciation for the story and everything and i did everything because i was so hungry for more and then i fell in love with the game because i realized that when you push the difficulty to the max like you have to engage with the economy and i was just like holy crap this holds up after so many playthroughs i'm probably gonna buy the goddamn game on pc and like <laughs> i'm uh, <so> already <laughs> i haven't done it yet because i have a rule that i only buy a game if i'm gonna play it then and there but um what do you call it uh, you know, I'm excited to do it. And and maybe this game can can have a similar kind of journey. I don't know, because the story's good, the characters are good, and I can see myself still wanting to mainline the story, but then reaching a point where it's like, okay, but I want to see the finale of what happens with with uh with the fucking uh, the the sake guy, the guy who drinks all the time. Um uh, I forgot his name. Yeah. But uh but you know some of those side characters that maybe didn't grab me enough to like do all of their shit, right? Yeah, yeah. So you know, we'll see. We'll see. Cool. Well, speaking of games that um we only buy when we play them. Oh wait, what did you say? You, you <laughs> I will only buy a game if I'm going to play, play it them. there. Um I finally after owning the game for about a week, I finally cracked open Mario, Paper Mario and the Origami King. 
And um, as we spoke before, I am reminded of the varying styles of Nintendo's sort of game design and how yeah. they, they, they go from I'm two years old to I'm, you know, a 40 year old man. You gotta be careful. Year old man, but I'm just saying. <laughs> but um, yeah, so the origami. So to be honest with you, this is actually my first foray foray into the Paper Mario world. I've played the Mario mm. Luigi um, RPG, which is similar. I hear similar, but it's not Paper Mario. And like you know, Paper Mario, Mario Luigi is a more sophisticated RPG. Almost, yeah. almost certainly. Yeah, and um, Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door is like legendary, and I actually haven't played that. But um, it's great; but, it deserves a remaster. <laughs> yeah, and um, I know, you know, from what I hear from people, you know, the writing is very good. Um, the combat, not like you know, revolutionary, still like fun and engaging and like clever in certain ways. So you know, opening up this game and you know, sort of peering around, just slight, just like. Um, early impressions you're like yeah yeah it's good like you know thousand year old thousand year door still is you know number one but this is like solidly the second when you compare it to all the rest that have come and from what you've heard from people yeah and from my understanding color splash sticker star and maybe there's one i'm missing out those weren't those never reached the highs of like I would go to the original. Well, I don't think Thousand Year Door was the original Paper Mario. No, there was Paper Mario on the N64. Right. Okay. That one's probably, I think, better than what I've seen so far from this. Oh, really? That's what I'd say. I mean, you know, memory is a finicky thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the, again, like, as I started off this conversation, I'm not necessarily high on this game at this point. I definitely need to give it more time. I've only gone through like the first world so far, but I'm getting sort of the game flow of the game. And, and I do understand that, you know, Nintendo has to tutorialize a bunch of things, but. It's unfortunate, really. Like you were talking about the need that they, that they arguably have to, broaden that appeal and allow other people to get it. I think um, especially coming off of, of all things, Etrian Odyssey, where, like I said, it has the distinct honor of being a game that I turned up to the hardest difficulty to start with, and it was immediately very fun and very deep and very interesting. Um, my patience for this kind of shit is thin, and I basically put the game down going into the second world because I realized that I just don't care about what is happening at all. And I'm just not going to pick it up again unless I feel pulled to it. Like if I feel like playing something kind of like a, you know, fairly mindless, grindy, let me go explore and find toads and do all that stuff. Maybe I'll go back to it. But like from that initial clearing the first world and stuff, I was just like, ah, I'm I'm not pulled to it. I'm just not. Yeah. I, I get that. I get that. I, I understand, like, you know, even in the initial introduction of the, you know, the main villain, the Origami King, he's not, it's not a strong villain. It's Although I did actually villain. like the tone of the tone that is cool. intro. Yeah, the tone is cool, but he himself, I just felt like, I'm just going to turn everything into Origami because I can. Bye. You know, and it's just like, well, it's childish. It's childish. Yeah, it's, yeah. But know. maybe maybe that is sort of the reasoning for, you know, our similar feelings. Like, it's a childish sort of way to start a game. It's sort of a childish motif. Like, 
we you can do a sort of a, a whimsical or something with a childlike you know essence in this story but if it still feels mature i think that's something that'll still pull you in and i think what's missing from this game that was in both the original paper mario and thousand year door is that pretty quickly you start meeting side characters who are fun and interesting and that has not been the case for this game so far I see. Yeah. I mean, I did see Luigi and I thought he was going to tag along, but he goes and does his own thing. I do know there is a side character system, though. You get like companions throughout the game. I guess we haven't run any into any anymore, but I know that in, that interface still happens. And I don't even particularly care about them involving in the gameplay. I'm saying like part of what I think pulled me through those those games that I mentioned, the early ones in the franchise, was that like the characters you met were really cool. Like the first Paper Mario, the first like companion guy that you get is like a Goomba. And like, I was just like, but Goombas are bad guys. And like, that's part of what they play with in, yeah. in the whole, in the whole dynamic. Yeah. Um, I know that I have just met like the Babam character and maybe he'll get interesting if I actually just put another hour into it. Um, but, but I, like I said, I was on this downward trajectory of interest and I didn't feel like fighting it. Um, so hopefully that picks back up. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely going to stick with it because um, I actually, I think every few months I realize that I neglect my Switch. So I'm really going to try and invest some time in it. No, because I have a couple of things. I really wanted to go into Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I need to. I'm like, I'm done with work next week. I'm going to have three weeks to sort of just, you know, do whatever. I think I want to mm. really dedicate to like, you know, some Switch time. So I'm going to, you know, invest in Origami King. I'm going to invest in Xenoblade Chronicles 2. But, um, Fantasy Strike. Huh? Fantasy Strike. Fantasy Strike. Yes, Fantasy Strike. I'm going to get on this week, I promise. Um, but, you know, I, I, I do find it just a little disappointing that, this game isn't pulling me in the way that I thought a Mario game would. But then yeah, I was. I'll, I'll be upfront and say, like, if this thing was a Steam game, I'd try to get a refund, like, straight up. Like, um, you know, the, they have a lenient ish policy on, on Steam. Um, I, I know that I crossed a two hour mark, but, but what I mean by that is, like, um, probably like around a two hour mark of this game i probably would have been like no this is too childish i don't want this give me my 60 dollars back you know yeah yeah um what i will say is that um it you know i started off the the the, the conversation of like you know just realizing there's like these two sides of nintendo and this being sort of like an old nintendo game where you know the audience is sort of very clear the design sensibilities are very clear and I remember distinctly, remember, I think it was like um, the time of the Wii when Nintendo very much expanded their audience. And I know a lot of gamers like probably me and you just felt like, hmm, Nintendo doesn't seem like it's for us anymore. Right. And and, and, and this is not like a, you know, a gamer elitist thing. It's, it's purely. Oh, like, yeah. It's just, like, you know, they were chasing that demographic, like, which, like, was, like literally, which was a huge, yeah. uh, let's be clear, a huge like good thing yeah, yeah, in the yeah. gaming industry that they pulled in a lot of people that either had never or had been forever since they'd been into games. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel you like they, yeah. they were focusing on that. Yeah. And there was a definite, I don't want to say dumbing down, but a, a definite sort of, um, there's a shift in priorities. Yeah. I, I like, yeah, a shift in priorities, like with gameplay, with design and like 
you know, you would play games and it's like, this is very simplistic. I can see how I can get my sister to play or my cousin or my brother. Right. But at a certain point, I need something a little bit more challenging because yeah. I had grown up with you and you had built these skills within me. And now all of a sudden it's like, all right, everybody, well, we're going to go back to zero. So like everybody mm -hmm. else can come and we can bring them all up. And it's just like, that's fine, but don't and, as a company don't do that with all of your IPs. And what's interesting is like there's I, I'd be I'd be super curious, just almost like academically, right? Like how this game does with kids because RPGs are complicated things, and this game is at least starting from the starting point of like you better know how to read. Although like nowadays parents play games with their kids, so maybe less so. I could like you know maybe the parent reads and the kid tries to figure out the spatial puzzles because like that might be really hard for kids it, you know what i consider to be a very simplistic spatial puzzle might actually be easier for a kid than the classic paper mario stuff in terms mm -hmm. of just like mash a and i'm strong enough so i'm gonna Can I give it. you a quick anecdote well it's so funny i don't think i ever told you this but um like i have a cousin and she has a son who's like 11 and he has a 3ds he plays zelda so um, I don't think his mother cares about games, uh, you know, here or there. She just doesn't want him to be like addicted or play too much to it. But um, I, I asked him out about Zelda and he was just like, oh yeah, I really like Zelda because it lets me practice my reading. This is from a kid. And he's just like, yeah, like, and my mom doesn't bother to me too much because he, she hears me like reading. And I was like, that is such a strange thing for a kid to say. You know, Dude, I don't know how much of it came from his mom or or just him. Because he would he was one of those kids that would literally sit there and read out all of the subtitles in Zelda and everything. And he, you know, deliberately, intentionally said, Yeah, I get to practice my reading. And I was just like, Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it's because it's because, you know, he's actually actively interested in, in, in what he's reading. the world yeah, and exactly. knowing this this uh you know, and understanding how to play this game at minimum, if not yeah. actually like, what is the world? What is the story? Um, yeah. And so, yeah, he's interested in reading. I mean, I remember my favorite story on that you reminding me of is like, I learned the word simultaneously from the golden eye player's manual and used it as a sentence in school. And my teacher was like, you didn't write this. And I was like, yes, I did. And he was like, what does it mean? And it was like, it's at the same time. And she was like, okay, that's an SAT word. And I was just like, all right, I learned it from a video game. And, and you know. <laughs> what did she say then? <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> Probably. I don't know. Like it was second grade. That teacher was oh. kind of mean, but, <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, like it's, I'd be interested to see how this game works for kids because the things that don't work for me, I can understand working for that demographic yeah. and that's okay. I just yeah. wish that I didn't pay six. Yeah. But, but again, to what I'm saying of like a tale of new t Nintendo's in the sense of like, how is it that they make games that, can appeal to all right can appeal to a more mature crowd and then that can exclusively appeal to kids and sort of turn a lot of adults off and right like mario still holds up like and 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 probably works for adults i mean no no I'm, i know i get that i yeah. get that but like i'm saying like classic mario like still has like an ex like a skill ceiling that is that is actually interesting still to this day, not merely on the, the grounds of nostalgia for mm -hmm. an adult to try to like figure out how to play that game. And mm -hmm. RPGs are harder, mm -hmm. I think, to, to, to walk that line. Like you need to be, you need to basically be simultaneously Nintendo and Pixar, mm -hmm. right? That's yeah. not fucking easy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, being Pixar is not fucking easy. <laughs> <laughs> easy at all.
Um, yeah, so I, I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick to it. Um, I'm gonna give it another college try. Um, <laughs> I, I am because I, 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 I definitely just want to have some a more informed opinion about mm. Paper Mario, given its reputation. And although you know, I can always go back and play all these other games, sort of. You know, mm. you have to get it or emulation, whatever. I, I, I still, you know, I have the game now. I can play it. I can see sort of like what is this series about? What's so endearing about it? Why is it popular? Yeah. Have a better opinion about like, okay, now I know what to expect from, you know, the RPG house of um, Nintendo. You know, I don't know if I necessarily call Xenoblade Chronicles Nintendo because it was Monolith Soft and, you know, that extends back to Xenosaga and Xenogears. You know, this yeah. is a wholly internal Nintendo developed like RPG system where it's Mario. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, speaking about that before we even move on, like the battle system too, and the economy, there, speaking of economies, so like weird. the coin economies and like, it's, it's so, weird. so strange. Just and I think it's, I think again, I could see it as like something that's informed as how to like target kids, like kids for, for a kid, it might be actually really interesting and informative and fun to have thousands and thousands of coins and think you're rich, but then start hitting up against some, some puzzles that you can't figure out. And suddenly you just use thousands of coins in a single battle, but you only got 300 and like, that <laughs> might be good. But as an adult, I'm just like, this is fucking weird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, so the battle system, I, I don't know how else they can expand that. And I don't mm. know the, if the expansion of that is going to be interesting. Because mm. when it started, I was just like, hmm. I, I wasn't compelled, like the, just the base of it. I'm not compelled. My, my, trouble, my trouble with it is that I think like, which is, which is actually interesting and makes me want to at least play a little bit more of the game. Uh, this game, like the spatial reasoning involved for these, for these so-called puzzle fights is, um, it, it's weird because I fall, like my experience is basically night and day. I either see it and I do it immediately and it's kind of boring or I don't see it, and it drives me crazy. Mm. <laughs> mm. I can see that. And then the economy around that is using coins to extend your time to figure out the puzzle. Yes. Um, which, I, which, like, in, a, in, a, in an actually safe way that doesn't involve real-world money is sort of like Candy Crush. You're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that kind of changed. You kind of blown my mind for a second. Ah. <laughs> I don't play this game anymore. I mean, <laughs> look, Nintendo's, Nintendo's really good. I guess in some sense, it's like the classic Japanese thing, even going back to like what they did with Japanese cars. Like they're very good at just paying attention to everything that everyone's doing mm -hmm. and like synthesizing into something that like, works for them so i i wouldn't be surprised if like this design is actually directly from people who are following that sort of dynamic in the mobile space and because you got to remember that you know that nintendo dipped their toes and whatnot so that information that knowledge is going to spread around and dipped out 
Yeah, so, then they dipped out, but they probably learned a thing or two and all that. And like, it might have informed this design. It really could have. It was just like, oh, okay, this is an engaging mechanic. Let's do it in a way that has fuck all to do with real world money. You paid $60 for the game. You're good. You got it. But it's arguably like playing with the same tension, the same dynamic of like time versus money. And I don't know, maybe that'll, maybe that's a good thing for kids to fuck around with, actually. Uh, very quickly, like, I learned about loans from SimCity because I discovered that there was a magic button that you press to get money. And then like t five to 10 years yeah. into oh, five to 10 years into my city, real, real works. Five, five to 10 years into my city, I was bleeding money. And I was like, I don't understand why this is happening. And then I looked at the balance sheets and it was just like, Oh, that's the button that I pressed before. The, 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 oh. the press get money button. Yeah, yeah. exactly. No. And that is how I learned what a fucking loan was, was by playing like SimCity 2000 or some shit. No, no, it must have been like SimCity 95 or I don't know, whatever it was. Oh, but, wow. but like all of which to say, like, um, I joke that that game did a better job of explaining like financial concepts than than anything in school ever did. Um, mm -hmm. but it's actually true and 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 maybe this game you know again for kids will perform a similar thing i don't know i really don't know yeah that's that that would be an interesting fun like side podcast for us to have mm -hmm. what real world skills or information did a game convey to you and you're like oh yeah. so that's how that works and you're just like it's sort of like you know your simultaneously story and your loan story of like, like is there a game that you can think of that like you learned a very real thing that you applied to life through gaming and you're like oh okay i mean there's yeah. one general thing you know not to go off on a crazy tangent but drive yeah. like i definitely used to the concept huh oh robot. I, can, I can hear you now all right, go ahead and keep talking. I'm having technical crap, but keep, go ahead. Okay, so the thing about driving is that I know that driving helps out. You know, dri driving games can't teach you the rules of the road, but you sort of get this sort of feel of like what it feels to be in control of like a moving object. So I always say like to people like, I'm so afraid to drive. It's like, oh, play Mario Kart. Like it, it I think it will teach you about general like, you know, um, spatial awareness of like being something and controlling something. No, you're not gonna be an indie driver racer, be a, you know, a maverick on the road, but you, will, you won't be as terrified to actually sit in a car and be like, okay, you know, <laughs> you know, so yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, yeah, I think, um, I think you're okay. Say la la la. <laughs> what? I Horizon. Hear me? No, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good. There definitely is a change in the. Um, yeah, it's because it's using my my webcam mic now, and this is doing nothing, and I'm trying to fix it. But let's not worry about that. Uh, okay, cool. I'm uh, essentially done talking about Paper Mario. So. Yeah, yeah, me too. I think you can tell from both our enthusiasm how we're just <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> we kind of played the game. We're we're struggling through it a bit, but yeah, I'm I'm I think I'm I think I'm good too. I think I'm good too. Um, so cool. I don't know if there's any other thing quickly you want to get through mention or is that it for today? Actually, we can mention something real quick. Um, so, uh, when we first started the podcast, because we are based in New York, Play NYC was here. So because of coronavirus, um, Play NYC is a all free, I can't hear you, all free and all digital. So next week, starting tomorrow, 
um, they're going to be, you know, releasing games and maybe demos and things on a digital platform. So that's definitely something that we could bring to you guys next week or in a special episode, I think, um, just what, they, what they've been showing for PlayNYC. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> but because Zahavi is no longer with us, God rest his soul. <laughs> no, I think he just had an audio failure. Um, that might be it for us today. So we're gonna wrap it up and you can always find us on Twitter and Instagram. We've been updating regularly and we will see you guys on the next episode with more Zavi that you can hear. <laughs> Later. And we're back. We had some, <laughs> some lovely technical difficulties because my headphones are rebelling against me. They do not like their master. Uh, <laughs> but um, I think we were basically done with our thoughts on Paper Mario. Yeah. Um, I think I will also want to play it some more just when I'm in like the right headspace for it because yeah. this conversation kind of makes me like go like, okay, maybe I can appreciate the game just thinking of it critically in terms of like what it might do for kids and who I might recommend it to, who the hell knows. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll see, we'll see. Definitely. All right, so before we wanted to go, um, I had just mentioned um, that um, we are based in New York and a couple, more than a couple of years ago, um, Play NYC was incepted here and they are continuing this year via digital platform. So we both signed up, it's actually free this year and they will be releasing game trailers and probably demos over their platform. So that's definitely something that we can bring to you guys, um, you know, maybe yep, in a special boy. episode or, or next week, but we're gonna try and get Steve and Stacy and any other peoples that wanna join in and maybe, you know, tag in, talk about any games that stick out to them, anything that they're interested in or, you know, any talks or maybe they'll even have panels. I'm not even sure yet, but um, some I'm, I can see them doing Zoom panels. Yeah. It'd probably be even better, you know, they'll have a bigger audience, you know, to, mm -hmm. to um, open up uh, uh, all that information to, so. For sure. Yep, so. Hopefully we. It. We get to get some good stuff out of that. And I wouldn't, I'd be, I'd be surprised if it wasn't the sort of thing that they wouldn't just like throw all the content up online afterwards anyway. Um, because, yeah. you know, this is small indie shit and like they yeah. ultimately just want to get everyone to get all the advertising and all that. Yeah. So we'll see what happens, but hopefully, yeah. we'll, the, you know, we won't be, it won't be some exclusive thing. People will be able to see what we're talking about and all that. Yeah, jazz. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting too. just, you know, COVID-19 has just changed the world so dramatically. I can't, you know, when we come out of quarantine <laughs> eventually soon, whenever, mm. I can't see them ending that digital framework or presence i just feel yeah. like if there's a, a lot of people streaming now like what's the point point? and a then, lot of people and organizations that were that were like in person had to figure out how to do it remotely and and there's not a particularly great reason to like not do that anymore uh yeah. like i'm a i'm a dsa member i've been to a whole bunch of meetings and strictly for accessibility reasons i think that like those meetings ought to be recorded and made available to like people who can't go upstairs because it's on the third floor of a building and like now they're doing their stuff like virtually and i hope that they continue doing that when we're out of all of this because like yeah. duh and that goes for gaming conferences and other kind of conferences where it's just yeah. like why keep this information to yourself when yeah, you have it recorded up a, set up a streaming camera set up a zoom link you sign in that's it everybody gets to go from you know their home you know i do understand this there's a certain intention and 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 um you got to respect people's privacy that's for damn sure 
Oh yeah, no, no, I meant deliberate, deliberate about doing things and going to things you know, mm. being there in person. Oh yeah, yeah, there's a huge value to it. And, and that's the thing is like, like I'm a, I'm a developer for Apple platforms and they've had their worldwide developer comps forever and it's been stupidly expensive for like the last decade because iPhone blowing up, but like yeah. they put all of their educational stuff online. The value is going there in person and being able to talk to Apple people, you know? Yeah. Same thing will we'll hopefully be true for all of these sorts of events moving forward is like, it was really cool all those years ago when we met these people. So yeah, yeah. Uh, that there's still value in that, and and but hopefully all the content you know gets thrown online. Cool. Well, this is what we wanted to say, and then some. If, if you didn't hear it, <laughs> but extra extra credits. Extra credits. But I definitely think that's where we're going to wrap up today's episode. So you could find us on Twitter and Instagram at Party Chat Peoples or Party Chat PCP or PCP Party Chat Peoples. Actually, no, it's just Party Chat Peoples and Party Chat Peoples PCP. And we will see you guys on the next episode. Bye. Bye.